welcome to Wind Up Weekly. I'm Matthew Gone. And I'm Katie Canfield. And we're here to share the week's news in wine. This week on Wind Up Weekly. More on the wine industry's response to coronavirus. The Wine Society resumes deliveries in the UK, where sales figures are like Christmas. And South African wineries are allowed to export. In other news, champagne sales hit record high of over 5 billion euros in 2019. Meanwhile, Champagne warns the Tasmanian farmer over his rhubarb champagne. And as ever, our wines of the week. So to start with, uh, week in wine, which has been fairly quiet as you can imagine, but there's lots of action online. And Katie, you've been watching quite a few live Instagram videos. Any favourites? Yes, watching and creating. Um, On Instagram, I've seen a couple of uh, interesting examples. Uh, One is uh, Julia Coney. Uh, She's at Julia Coney on Instagram, and she's interviewing different uh, people in the wine industry, so from all all parts of the trade. So really interesting content coming out um, from her, of her feed. And then also uh, Frog's Leap has been doing uh, some virtual tastings with owner and founder John Williams with his son Rory, who's kind of taken the reins and has his own brand Calder. And so they've been doing some fun tastings and, you know, tasting some older vintages as well. I think primarily geared towards their wine club, but also, you know, for general audience as well. And what about Sip Local? We watched a couple of those together, didn't we? Yes. uh, So that's from Washington State Wines, and they're doing a new series called Wine Zones. And the most recent one was on Saturday, uh, yesterday, and that that featured Jamie Good from the UK and Elaine Chacon-Brown from the US, from California, and a woman from Hedges. So it was really nice to kind of get that really global perspective because you've got the UK, you've got the US, and then, you know, a, a, a producer from, from Washington State. And that's the theme, isn't it? By, um, by supporting local industries, you're also helping the global um, industry and, and the environment as well, isn't it? Hence the term global. And so I also watched a webinar which you helped organize. And that was um, hosted by Elaine Chicken-Brown. Who's the JansusRumston.com correspondent for California, and she's interviewing remotely Steve Mathiason. Yeah, that's right. So it's the first of us again a series uh, that will happen weekly on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, it's great. It's sort of you know a California Wine Institute initiative to uh, reach their trade audience really uh, internationally uh, in this time when everybody's kind of locked indoors and you know there's very little uh, opportunities to bring California wine to them. So they're doing so virtually, and it was very successful. We had a group of about of nearly 300 people uh, from over 15 different countries. So. Really dynamic, uh, very global, and we're going to continue doing this. Uh, the next one will be Tuesday uh, with Jasmine Hirsch. So how do our listeners access these webinars? Because they have been recorded, haven't they? In addition to being live, uh, which they do so on the Zoom platform, and there's a link to register uh, free of charge. And so, you know, let us know if you're if you're interested in, in the link. And also, if you just look on social media, you'll be able to find it as well. And the recordings are kept on uh, the Wine Institute YouTube channel. So you can always look there to see past episodes and then information about upcoming episodes. Yeah, well worth uh, watching slash listening because Steve Mathiason's a fascinating figure in the Napa Valley for his uh, viticultural expertise and advice. 
Well, and he's so fun. You know, he's take, he has his phone and he's taking you out into the vineyard and showing you what's going on with the vines today. Um, so it's really fun to have these dynamic individuals be able to show their personalities over film. I'm looking forward to Tuesday's uh, webinar with Jasmine Hirsch because um, she works with the Hirsch Vineyard, which makes some fabulous Pinot Noir and Chardonnay right next to uh, this, uh, the Pacific Ocean. Extreme Sonoma Coast. Uh, so fun to hear what she has to say. And now on with the news. So another weekly update on the coronavirus, which continues to um, create economic global crisis. Uh, But the wine industry is responding as best it can. We've already discussed these online platforms, which wineries and wine bodies are using to uh, speak to consumers and people in the trade. Um, And Katie, you actually spoke to um, a friend of ours. Erin Smith, who works at Majestic, another company which has had to adapt its um, sales strategy. And what does she have to say about Majestic and the situation in the UK right now? Yeah, well, as many of you are aware, Majestic is a, a major wine retailer in the UK. And, you know, we've seen in just the industry trend is that, you know, wine sales are going up and that's really favoring retail establishments, obviously, because restaurants are closed. And often it's favoring larger brands that we are seeing um, some craft brands to really, you know, up their marketing game and get a little piece of the pie as well. And so Aaron shed some light too, just from a retailer standpoint, which I thought was interesting since we spoke with Prashant last week, who speaks from a independent retailer uh, here in California to hear from a large retailer uh, with a lot more resources um, and how they've kind of coped with it. So, you know, Aaron said that one of the most important things is having control over the logistics portion of delivery. So many of the independent retailers, you know, they rely on others for fulfillment for shipments. And that's all very unpredictable in in current times. However, with Majestic, they have these retail stores. And and so even if stock might be low online, the local stores will often be able to fulfill the customer's orders. So they have had to update their website to point uh, consumers and customers to their local retailer so they can actually, you know, order online through their local uh, because it's more likely that they'll have the wine that they want. Oh, yes, it has been difficult for a lot of retailers in the UK, I think, um, in getting the wine to the people who are ordering it because the UK maybe isn't as set up for online orders as um, it needs to be right now. So, for example, the Wine Society, which is really based around delivering, um, had to pause for a few weeks because of fears over the safety of their staff and delivery people. But they are delivering again, and so they're up and running, although they're only delivering unopened cases rather than mix and match. They don't want to be opening boxes and having wine lying around. And does that um, come from a logistic standpoint in terms of not having people all in the same facility, having to pack and repack boxes, so the social distancing factor, right? Yeah, they'll be in the same facility, but keeping their distance from each other. So yeah, they're not uh, unpacking, repacking, etc. So keeping it as simple as possible. And right now, people are probably ordering cases of wine anyway. Mm. Um, And then Naked Wines have started accepting new customers. They paused that in March. Um, because they weren't, they were afraid they won't be able to meet um, the demand, but they seem to have got that back on track as well. And then um, Roberson are hitting record figures. They're an importer of uh, some pretty fine wine, 
and they do have different uh, retail uh, methods um, online, in store, and also um, to restaurants as well. But they've really seen sales um, direct to consumer go up hugely, 500% up on this time last year, and 1,000% on a month ago. And this beats the, the record sales that they set at Christmas, so selling lots of wine. Yes, and that's what Aaron was saying, too, from Majestic's point of view. You know, sales have never been so high since Christmas, so it really is that that peak time of year for retail. And uh, just another note, um, this one from California is Ashes and Diamonds uh, Winery offers a very interesting, you know, they've really adapted to this new takeout kind of curbside delivery for their wine orders. And they've added an extra incentive, adding on free caviar to customers who buy a case of wine. So you're seeing people get really innovative and um, I think no one will say no to a little bit of caviar, right? Not if it's free. Yeah, not if it's free, that's for sure. And it's a drive through service as well. So you just drive to the winery, pick up the wine, and you get uh, some caviar mm-hmm. as well. It's a nice little incentive. So again, examples of wineries adapting to changing circumstances. To the new normal. Meanwhile, in South Africa, which has implemented very strong uh, lockdown controls, uh, some of the strictest in the world, they've uh, allowed wineries to export the wine. So after a strong lobbying from the wine industry, um, these wineries are actually allowed to export the wine. And that's really important because 50% of South African wine is exported. And also it required some lobbying to persuade the government to allow wineries to complete the 2020 harvest, arguing to the government that farming was essential and winemaking is essential. And apparently 2020 is set to be an exceptional exceptional vintage. So to have lost that would have been pretty tragic for an industry where there isn't tons of money to kind of recover from that. Well, and I think in most other wine growing countries and regions, the... Uh, they've all been declared essential businesses, right? So Chile, um, they're going on with the harvest as well. And of course, a lot of these wineries uh, are quite remote and it's farming. They're practicing practicing social distancing in the vineyard. And there's a very nice article on JancisRobinson.com by Derek Mossman Knapp, who is um, a winemaker in Chile. Mm -hmm. He makes Garage Wine Co., fantastic winery. And it's a really good piece on sustainability and the importance of it and how wineries like his which use sustainable practices are very well able to cope in this environment because they're not relying on all sorts of uh, travel and transport and outside equipment so it's kind of business as usual for them great and we'll hopefully set the bar for future practices as we navigate ourselves out of this crisis figures for champagne sales in 2019 have just been released Usually announced at Provine with some fanfare, the news has been more quietly shared this year. But the figures are extremely encouraging and good news for the champagne industry, as they hit record highs of over 5 billion euros, although volume fell slightly to 297.5 million bottles. That's still a hefty sum, isn't it? This followed 2018, which had also seen record highs of 4.9 billion euros, now surpassed by 2019. And the U.S. is Champagne's biggest market for value and saw a 15% increase in 2019, while the U.K. is the biggest market in terms of volume. The increase in value is positive news, but the decrease in volume is of some concern. The fall in production is due to less demand in France, which accounts for 50% of Champagne sales, due in part to a decline in drinking, as well as new laws which limit discounted sales in French supermarkets. 
And of course, sales of champagne are currently suffering, as most people are not buying expensive luxury items. However, the industry believes the impact will be short-term and that sales will bounce back once the crisis subsides. So I think that's mostly good news, with um, sales of champagne uh, reaching record value and a sign in general that people are spending more on wine, or at least were up until this crisis, um, especially in the US, um, value up 15%. That's a huge increase. And um, that is good news for champagne because that is a luxury item. So the thing about the decrease in volume, 300 million bottles is kind of the target that Champagne always aims to meet. Mm. So falling to 297.5 million bottles doesn't sound like a big fall, but it's 2.5 million bottles less than they would like to be making. And so maybe it's an adapting market as well. As a, I mean, Champagne is about luxury, but how can they continue to tap that after this uh, crisis is over and people don't spend as much on wine? We'll have to see. <laughs> Guy Robertson, a farmer in Tasmania, Australia, last week received an unexpected phone call from French officials after he had posted on Facebook where he had mentioned rhubarb champagne that they had been making at the farm. One of his farm workers had made 10 litres of what they called rhubarb champagne and which the team had been enjoying. Even though it wasn't for sale, nevertheless an official from Comité Champagne called Robertson to tell him that if he decided to sell it commercially, he wouldn't be able to call it rhubarb champagne. Heaven forbid. In the middle of this global crisis, Robertson saw the funny side of the champenoir taking the 10 litres of rhubarb champagne so seriously. The farm is planning to make more of it, hoping to sell it locally. What do you think they're going to call it, Katie? Rhubarb sparkling wine? That would be sensible. They've also suggested rhubarb bubbles, mm, which I kind of like. like that. Yeah. Or roux fizz. Roux fizz. Maybe we should write to them and mm, recommend that. Yep. I can't imagine what this tastes like. They seem to have been enjoying it. <laughs> but sparkling rhubarb wine is not something I'd ever think about inventing, but maybe it's delicious. Mm, well, I do find that, you know, any time after a hard day's work out in the field, anything that quenches your thirst is uh, going to be quite tasty. Very true. And what surprised Robertson the most was that the champagne officials had noticed his Facebook post. He's just a small farmer in Tasmania. And so he just posted, and there's actually quite a few other things he said they were enjoying at the farm, and this is just one of them, but they were straight on it. Well, hat off to champagne, because if you're going to enforce something, then you might as well be diligent about it. Watch your words carefully when talking about champagne and sparkling wine. We've been continuing a daily dose with Wind Up Weekly this week, posting a short video on Instagram talking about the bottle we've opened that day. Um, wine in general is a great way of traveling around the world, we've found, in, uh, well, during this semi-isolation, uh, and you don't have to leave your house. So that's become even more important now that we're unlikely to be able to travel for some time. And perhaps even after this crisis abates, people will travel less. So this week, we've had wine from California, exploring kind of young experimental producers. And we've even had a still Pinot Meunier, which is most unusual. Uh, that was Keep Wines. And we've also been to the Loire with a stunning sweet wine, Greece, Italy, and Portugal, a port from 1995. So which of these was your favorite, Matthew? Well, I actually um, have enjoyed them all, I have to say. Mm. Uh, but... The sweet wine from the Loire, from Cote de Chaume, was a 2001. I mean, that was delicious. And one, Gorgeous. One of the best sweet wines I've actually ever tried. But the port, 
maybe bettered that even mm. more. Absolutely. We still have some of that. We do, probably having some tonight with uh, some chocolate cake or maybe some cookies, who mm-hmm. knows? And that was absolutely delicious. So fresh and alive, still with its tannins and its fruit and just wonderful balance with the sweetness. Absolutely magnificent. Yeah, well, I do have to say that Pinot Meunier from Keep Wines was quite interesting. And they work with, you know, well, more unusual varieties in California. Um, I believe they also have, well, I know they have a Cunoise and then a Falangina as well. So I'm pretty anxious to try more of their wines. It was a really delightful and food-friendly wine, that has to be said. Yeah, a lot of fun. So if you want to keep track of what we're opening and talk, we're talking about the wines and the producer in the regions just to learn about wine and feel like you're traveling around the world as you're at home, and then just follow us on Instagram. Yep, it's on IGTV. Cheers to that. So that's it for Wind Up Weekly this week. I'm Katie Canfield. I'm Matthew Gorn. Join us next week for another Wind Up. And in the meantime, we ask that you please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, That helps other listeners searching for the news in wine to find us. Especially if the reviews are positive. That's right. See you next week. Cheerio! Cheerio!